0: Cool. Um, we've got an hour. Is that right? So yep, you, you've yep. got about an hour. Right. Cool. Yeah. Lovely job. Uh, are you alright? If we just crack straight on then, and we'll we'll get going.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna move over here. I'm worried. I'm worried about. I work with Spencer Robert, who's really he's he's he knows You're how to professional. The shots. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm very concerned with the uh, the backlight, but I don't yeah. know. I think it's. Yeah. Uh,
0: I'm fine with it, mate. It's not, I think to, for me personally, I just think it, it adds to this sort of ambience doesn't it. It's just, we're just having a chat. It's nothing professional. Right we're just having a yeah,
1: chat. Do you, how many, um, how many people listen versus watch on
0: YouTube? Um, it's definitely. I started up a separate channel for the podcast. My my main channel has uh, sort of sixty four, sixty five thousand, but the podcast I think that's sitting at around about two thousand. So it, it was harming oh. my main channel. You know the analytics when I posted up the podcast mm. vids in and, and amongst my other stuff. Uh, mm. Listening wise, there's around about ten 000 to fifteen thousand downloads um, sort of every week. So it's it's cool. not a bad level. It's all right. It's not right bad on, level. man. How long have you been doing <laughs> yeah. this? Uh, I started just at lockdown. So when was that? May 2020. So about two Whoa. years now. Yeah, yeah. Right on. Yeah. It's going all right. Right. We'll crack on then. All right. Excellent.
1: Right, folks. Welcome back to Brewtime. This week, we've got Ari Henning. How you doing, dude? I'm doing well, Bruce. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you reaching out. I'm looking forward to the uh, the conversation.
0: Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm chuffed you you said yes. It's, uh, you, you've been somebody that I've been watching on YouTube for a long time. And, you know, I, I thought I'd throw out the offer there and see if by some miracle you said yes. So thank you
1: very much. Yeah, yeah, it, it worked out. And, um, yeah, the YouTube thing, it's been, a, it's been a long road. I realized recently that when we first started making stuff for YouTube, it was actually because YouTube had just been founded and they mm. came to the company that I was working for and approached us to create video in order to build the platform, if you can imagine how wow. long ago that was. Wow. So you yeah. have
0: been doing this since since day one, basically.
1: Evidently, since the beginning, yeah. They were just <laughs> trying to build the platform as, as somewhere that people would go to, to view video content. Yeah. And now it's just like the place people go. Did you think it would get to this level? Uh, I mean, in those early days, no. But I know that uh, Zach Spencer and I, that's kind of the trio that's been doing video since 2014. Um, we had strong feelings about it. Uh, in around 2014, um, when we were working at a print magazine and things were kind of, the ground was kind of shaky there, but we really believed in video and, uh, we committed to it and it's, it's taken us along for a wild ride. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're, um, for anyone who's been
0: living on the moon uh, and isn't aware of Ari, you're you a, a pref- professional motorcycle journalist, uh, you, you're you a racer, you're a presenter, uh, you do stuff with RevZilla, Motorcyclist Magazine, um, MotoTrend, you, you, you've got your finger in so many different sort of yeah. pies. Could bounce around a lot, for sure. Absolutely. Could could you give us a little bit of a background as to like who you are, how you got into the industry? Where you
1: got? Where you are. Uh, I'm just a dude that likes motorcycles and got lucky and made a job <laughs> out of it. Uh, that's the that's the real short version. But um, I was born and raised in Massachusetts on the east coast of the U.S. Uh, my father dropped out of high school when he was 15 to ride his Honda Twin around America. Um, so that kind of set the precedent for a trajectory for my life as well. When I was supposed yeah. to go to college, I was basically like, "That looks expensive. I have a motorcycle. I'll just go ride that instead." And, uh, neither of my parents had any complaints because it seemed like a perfectly reasonable approach to them. Uh, but my dad also road raced motorcycles and he ran an auto shop. So he was very mechanically inclined, uh, and very successful racing vintage bikes in the U S and abroad actually. Um, so yeah, I left Massachusetts when I was 21 and ended up in California, um, and convinced my then girlfriend, now my wife of over a decade to join me. So we've been in California since 2008, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just, a uh, Dude living in Santa Cruz, fixing chainsaws and lawnmowers, uh, but I was really persistent with Motorcycles Magazine, trying to get my foot in the door there, offering to change tires, sweep the shop, do whatever, and they eventually chucked me a bone, and that kind of just snowballed into a, a staff position and eventually being pretty high up on the masthead and, and running the magazine.
0: Yeah. um, you, you mentioned earlier that you you sort of saw the... <clears throat> The, the change in the tide moving from print media to, to video. Certainly you know, uh, like over here in the UK, that was something that a, a lot of the traditional journalists, they've been quite slow on picking it up. You know, I would say certainly in the last five years, they've, they've definitely grabbed it by the horns and things like MCN, a lot of the big major magazines, they've now almost totally transformed across onto to video. Was it the same in the States or mm. were you pretty much a, a forerunner, a front runner there?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I think we were a front runner. Cause like I, I alluded to earlier, uh, YouTube actually came to the publishing company that yeah. I worked for. And they were like, Hey, you have all of these titles between motorcycles and cars and trucks. Like we want to pay you to create video content. So that was in 2011. Um, and as far as the the European, especially the, the UK titles, like you guys have had a much better business model than the U S ever had. You've got your $15 per issue magazines and you don't give a shit about advertisers. That's how you get to call everyone wankers and crap on bikes and stuff. Whereas (laughs) in the U S it was entirely reliant on advertising. That's what, that's what paid the bills. That's what made it a profitable business. Um, And thankfully there was a pretty strong separation between editorial content and selling ads. So like we were free also to say whatever we needed to and evaluate a bike objectively. But once the economy went to crap and especially once video started getting bigger and social influencers started getting bigger and, you know, uh, influencer sponsorships got bigger, the pie that was supporting, publishing was getting sliced into more and more slices and the magazines were getting a smaller and smaller piece so they were just the writing was on the wall
0: mm. yeah i've i've uh i've started to get to know some some of the journals over here who are moving across into video and uh it, it, it was definitely uh you, you could you could see there was there was quite a little bit of a jealousy i think between print and uh, I would say, like my, myself, we're sort of the older influencers. There's a new breed all coming in now, and and I find the shoes on the other foot because they're they're young, they're good looking, there's a lot of females coming in. So obviously they get the clicks, they get the views, and who wants to look at a fat old man ride, riding a bike? You know what I mean? When you <laughs>
1: well, you've got you've got perspective and knowledge that that they don't have, and that's you yeah. know that's a little bit of a frustration for folks like me and Zach who have been just born and raised around motorcycles yeah. from day one to have someone roll into the scene that got their license three years ago and they're professing to be an expert and you're like I'm sorry you're not (laughs) I mean I'm not an expert either but like I live and breathe this shit and I have for literally 30 years at this point
0: yeah you have to play the game though don't you I mean I I, for for me personally I I understand that there's, there's certain <clears throat> there's certain advertising angles where they, they want the views, they want the high views, they want the clicks. And then obviously there's a place for, for just knowledge, isn't there an and integrity? I'm not saying that others don't have integrity, but you know what I mean? There's, Agreed, there's yeah. everyone's slotting into their own little place now for sure. It's a,
1: yeah, it's a the landscape is changing dramatically for sure. Absolutely.
0: Um, I could talk to you for, for hours, Ari. Um, obviously, we have an hour here, folks. So the way I do things over here, Ari, on a podcast is I chuck things out to my community across social media. I say who the next guest on a podcast is coming, who, who's going to be, and they have like a day or two to post up some questions. And we run okay. through the questions. Just see where it takes us. It can be quite
1: obscure. So um, oh strap in. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I'll, I'll warn you. I have. Uh, I'm not particularly creative and I have a very binary thought process. So you might not actually get exciting answers for me i apologize no worries no worries this is where beer helps i always find for sure. yeah yeah it's too bad <laughs> well it's 9 a.m here in california so i i'd, I'd it'd be a rough start to the day if i was already drinking alcohol Absolutely. Right. First, of all, we'll go across to the clan over on Patreon,
0: folks. So that's patreon.com forward slash teapot1. First one, Justin, Geek and Cycle. Hey, Bruce and Ari, hope you're both well. As Ari rents his Versace uh, 650 out on Twisted Road, what has been the strangest renter or the renter that gave him the most pause? So Twisted Road's your new rental uh, business that you set up, isn't
1: it? No, not at all. I don't own it. Uh, I just rent my bike on it. It's a, it's a ah, platform. Sorry, right. Yeah. It's, it's based out of Austin. Um, and interestingly enough, the owner's name is Austin. Now that I think about it, really nice guy, basically friend of a friend recommended it and it's a solid platform and I've got a versus six hundred and fifty, but because I am in the media, I also have access to a tremendous number of press bikes. So why the hell would I ride my own motorcycle? um, when I can, when I can ride someone else's that's newer and better. Um, and yeah, I've just been renting it and it's been, it's been a great experience because a lot of the folks, because it is a versus 650 and not an R6 or a uh, ZX 10, it's usually middle-aged guys who are coming out for a week or two weeks to travel California, which I think is brilliant. I love facilitating people exploring California because I fell in love with the state on a motorcycle and I know other people will too. Um, but the weirdest, I mean, last my bike's out for rent right now. And it's with a Belgian airline pilot who had a one-day layover in LAX. Um, So, I mean, those are, that's kind of interesting. I'm trying to think, I haven't had any bizarre ones. And I attribute that to the fact that it's a pretty boilerplate bike, Mm. you know, it's not a, it's, it attracts a certain demographic that I relate to and appreciate. And they all seem to be pretty even keeled and experienced. So thus far, I have not had any weird experiences and knock on wood. I really hope I don't because I was just going
0: to say that. (laughs) No, there might be some,
1: some wacko stalker out there who ends up renting my bike just so they can. (laughs) figure out where I live and be yeah, yeah. pretty <laughs> unfortunate, but I bet people on social media and thankfully twisted road does a good job of betting people too. So no weirdos to date. <laughs> That's a great idea. Twisted road. I wonder if they do something like that here
0: in the UK so people can effectively, you, you're just <clears throat> renting out your, your bike. So people can go,
1: right. Well, I'm coming to California into this town who's around yeah. here.
0: Boom. Yeah, oh, It's a great
1: peer to peer. The platform's good. They yeah. provide insurance. Um, they vet the riders and then, you know, we communicate via text or the the app or whatever, and uh, they show up. And I also, I've supplied people with camping equipment. Um, I know the back roads of California, like the back of my hand. So I always supply people with suggested routes. I'm actually right now I'm filming from the studio that I have attached to my garage. So people have even come and spent the night when they fly in so they can right. leave first thing in the morning. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I've kind of, it's kind of this whole separate little side entity that I've started doing that. Honestly, it's it's like not particularly profitable, but it's super satisfying to yeah. be able to to help people um, have a kick-ass motorcycle adventure. Absolutely,
0: great way to meet like-minded people as well. You know, appreciate most people just want to get on the bike and and get out and ride, but you you must occasionally meet people that you know you you can have a great yeah. chat to. No, I've been yeah. I've stayed
1: in touch with with all of them, frankly.
0: Oh, brilliant. Good. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm planning on coming over. Well, I was supposed to be coming over to the states this month actually to do like a ten day road trip for the for the channel. But uh um well, it got changed. I was supposed to be going to Ukraine instead, but obviously that's not happening. So doing, happen. Yeah, we're doing sort of Romania and Hungary, Slovenia, all these places
1: now. So looking forward to that. But
0: when it comes yeah. to the states, I'll I'll check that out. Switch. So yeah, for sure. Stop what?
1: on by. We're in we're in uh, Long Beach, so just south of Los Angeles. Nice one.
0: Excellent. Cheers, Justin, for the question. Next one. Debbie Clegg. Hi, I hope all's well. This is a tad obscure. If your personality had to be be described as a color, what color would it be? Oh, <laughs> Look at <in> your
1: face. <laughs> this is exactly the type of thing I was worried about, man. Beige. Is like, that what you're going to say? Beige. It, beige? No, not at all. I was going to say green, like very kind of like in in tune with nature hopefully and a little bit natural uh, i come from a bit of a, a hippie community so i definitely yeah. that's my favorite color so that's the first thing that comes to mind but that's what i mean man you toss those questions at me and i'm just going to give you a really just flaccid <laughs> answer i apologize i'm glad that was to you because my brain is just
0: going oh my god i can't even think <laughs> yeah i got yeah. <laughs> next one michael hey gents greetings from canada how are you doing michael Ari, oh admire, admire what you, Spencer, and Zach have done over the years. Thanks for helping grow the sport of motorcycling and inspiring inspiring fellow DIYers. Right. So here's the question to you both. Bruce, I've asked you this in the past, but would be curious, curious to hear Ari's response. A hypothetical road trip. You've got an ultimate guy's weekend bike getaway planned. The hotels are booked. The route is mapped. Your bike is full of petrol and the pack top golds are fully charged. Who are your top three guests you'd have on your trip? It can be anyone, alive, dead, celebrity, actor, athlete, oh, anyone okay. at all. Another one of these. This is crazy. Okay. Oh, but he says, excluding anyone in the motorcycle industry and other vloggers.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I'd love to road trip with John Britton. Does that, I mean, he was in the motorcycle. You the, you motorcycle the and bike. Was- yeah, yeah, yeah. Not on the bike, but the individual. I mean, I just, I'm so struck with the things that he did. Um, Or someone like George Barber, although he's probably going to be a little slow in his old age. Um, That is a sensational place, isn't it? Barber Museum. Oh,
0: I love it. And the track. It's one of my favorite tracks. It's such a facility. Yeah, Yeah, I never got, I never got to ride the track, sadly, but I I visited there when I was on a trip and, oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah, it's a good time. All
1: right. Well, I mean, this is, you know, I could have, a little runway on this question would have been helpful because that's, uh, so John Britton's one. Um, alive or dead, but not in the motorcycle industry. So like, does that rule out racers? And
0: No, I, I would say keep racers. I would say like, just, you know, journalists and stuff that you work with. Racers would be fine. Would
1: this say. is also, this is also where my brain uh, um, handicaps me because I'm, I'm so pragmatic that I'm like, well, I'm not going to invite somebody who doesn't already ride a motorcycle because they don't know how to ride a motorcycle. But like, mm-hmm. this is obviously a fantasy <laughs> scenario. So it could be like, you know, I could say Napoleon, he doesn't know what a motorcycle is, but that might it's be an right. interesting road trip. He'd learn. He'd learn. Anyone that told me, don't, don't worry about whether or not oh, they can ride anybody. All right. Well, we've got John Britton on there. Honestly, I would like to road trip with my dad. Uh, I yeah. haven't had the opportunity to ride motorcycles with him. He got a traumatic brain injury in 99, so he's pretty um, limited. Yeah. So honestly, I like to keep a small group too. I think anything above five for a road trip is just recipe for a disaster. Yeah. So I'd keep it simple. I'd go I'd roll with my dad and uh, John Britton. I think cool. that'd be a really fun trip. That's that. I'm trying to remember who
0: I, who I picked when, when Michael asked me this on another podcast. I think I, think I said Billy Connolly as one of them, just because he's, he's a funny guy and he, he rides a bike. Uh, oh, God, who else was it? Who else was it?
1: Who'd you go I with, Bruce? God. I'm trying to remember. Did Billy Connolly Ride?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he did. Obviously, he's um he's he's quite far down the the Parkinson's uh, path mm-hmm. now. So I don't think he rides anymore. But yeah, he used to ride. He's, yeah. He did a series all
1: around America and Australia in a in a big old trike. He was riding a trike at that. Point, oh, yeah. like I said, I don't consume a lot of content. I like yeah. I like the question though. It's similar to that one where it's like if you could go to a dinner party with anyone alive or dead, who would it be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. yeah, for sure. Can't Same concept to, on a motorcycle.
0: Yeah, I can't remember who I picked. I don't want to pick other people now, because I'll go back on the answer that I gave. Sorry, Michael, I can't remember who I picked I picked originally. Uh, Adam 86. Hi both. Really enjoy watching Ari and Zach's adventures on Revzilla as well as Ari's workshop videos. Question. What was it really like trying to fix that little Honda on the side of the road in Alaska? It looked awful, (laughs) and you could tell that even Ari and Zach's smiles were fading. Uh, Um, folks, if you've not seen this, what a you took us was it C C ninety and the CT one two five. Yeah. yeah. So, two, two little Hondas, and you rode them to the very top, the northernmost point of
1: Alaska. The freaking top. We're not talking Prudhoe Bay. We're not talking <laughs> the end of the hall road. We had to put them in an airplane and then push them through gravel to get to the literal northernmost point of Alaska. Um, and yeah, that was a, an episode, a recent episode we did for the Revs of the YouTube channel. And the show called CTXP. And if you haven't seen it, it's, it's, you know, obviously I'm biased, but it's a pretty brilliant road trip. Um, it's, it's the, the best bike- thing on YouTube.
0: It's, <laughs> the, right. it's the best video out there. Motorcycle like
1: trip video.
0: It's, it's phenomenal. I'm, yeah, I'm not blowing time. smoke up um, your ass. It is phenomenal. Yeah, and, it's and it's honestly, brilliant.
1: that was one of the best road trips I've ever taken. Like what a what an incredible adventure. I've been to Alaska before. Zach and I have taken plenty yeah. of adventures before. But man, that was a wild trip. But the bike that I rode was a 1975 <laughs> CT90 yeah. that we bought. I think we bought it on a Tuesday locally. And it had been in a garage for whatever, a decade without running. And it had to be strapped to a pallet for Anchorage on Friday. So oh. I had precious little time to go through it. Um, which was by design, according to Spencer, our producer and director, because he likes to leave like a certain amount of struggle in there. If I had my way, I would have done a full rebuild on that thing before we went (laughs) and it would have run like a top, (laughs) but that doesn't make for good television. So, uh, it was honestly, even knowing, even knowing that it was not tuned up and in rough shape, I had 100% confidence in that motorcycle because it's a CT 90, it's a Honda, And I, with the toolkit I packed, you know, unless it threw a rod or hold a piston, I was like, we're going to be able to fix this thing. I'm genuinely not worried about it. What I was worried about is how long it would take to make that happen because we Mm. did have, we had, you know, a flight that we were trying to hit and we had a flight back that we were trying to hit. But that's, that's, you know, if it had been a old triumph, I would have been terrified. I would have Mm. been absolutely, I would have been like, we're screwed. Like as soon as something happens, like who knows what we're going to be able to fix, but that's why I love working on Hondas. It's like, all you got to do is kind of put it back to close the stock and it'll keep ticking. Exactly. The, the bulletproof. There's a reason that they are everywhere around the world. You know, like yeah. I, I, I've
0: seen them. I've seen them in, in every single country I've I've ever visited. Like even the mountains up in Laos, you, you see them everywhere. These yeah. people have these little Hondas and they just
1: keep going. They just just the, keep going. Absolutely. We did, we did rebuild that bike after the trip. We gave it a full rebuild with, you know, a new, a once over piston and all new gaskets and seals and tuned it yeah. up properly. So it got, it got the TLC it deserves. Fantastic. Beautiful.
0: Now something that ran through my mind when you were up there at the top of Alaska, was there not polar bears up there.
1: There are bears, there are grizzly bears inland and yeah. then there are polar bears coastal. And that was a genuine, genuine concern, especially if mine, I don't want to, mess with freaking bears, man. No. I don't even want to see them. Like I'll watch them from a safari truck or through binoculars. But like, I read a book when I was in Alaska the first time when we got reined in about bear attacks and it's no joke. Um, so when we went to point Barrow, it was strongly suggested by the locals that we bring a high power rifle. We tried to source one and we had someone who was going to loan it to us, but then they needed to use it for their own excursion. Uh, at the same time, we were reassured that because the ice had gone out early, that the bears were off the beach and. <laughs> I think there was a fresh carcass, a bowhead whale carcass that they had been feeding on, so everyone was pretty confident that they weren't going to be ravenous for us. But like, I think at the end of the episode, when Zach and I are like finally catching our breath, and and I mentioned potential bear mauling, like we're not joking. (laughs) That's a real risk up there, and it's just just as you ride a motorcycle, people are like, oh, well, how do you how do you not crash or not get hurt on a bike? You don't ride one. If you're on a motorcycle, the risk of getting injured is much higher, and if you're in Alaska, the risk of encountering a bear is just That's a reality. I'll just butt in
0: here, folks. I didn't want to interrupt Ari as we only had an hour together. So uh, I thought I'd do the sponsor readout after we did the chat. So this week we are sponsored by Inov. Now, if you're a regular listener to the Brewtime podcast or you watch the teapot one channel you'll know Enov have been a sponsor for a long time they produce motorcycle dash cam systems there's the single c5 which you can mount on your helmet or or pop it on the bike if you like then there's the k series which are dual camera front and rear the k3 is a 1080 system the k5 flagship that has a 4k camera on the front uh, it's got a 1080 at the rear same one from the k3 k5 is the one i use on my bike Uh, Both the K3 and the K5, they have full GPS, so you can track your route. They have uh, Wi-Fi, onboard Wi-Fi, which integrates with the Inov app, so you can view your files, you can share, you can do all sorts of stuff. The K3 has slower Wi-Fi. The K5 is much faster, and I find that uh, that makes it actually viable to interact with the app and use the app when you're out and about. The K3, for me, too slow But if you're not worried about using the app, K3 is a good, solid system to use. Both the systems have parking mode, so even when you're not with the bike, if that's activated, your bike is totally covered. Any movement in front or behind your bike, wherever the cameras are, the sensors pick it up and they instantly start recording. So if your bike is damaged whilst you're not away, hopefully if it's happened anywhere in the region of those cameras, then you should be able to catch the culprit. They're totally autonomous systems, by the way, so the second you turn the ignition on, they'll automatically kick in. You don't need to worry about battery levels. You don't need to worry about remembering to switch it on and off it's wired into your bike system so the second that ignition is turned the system kicks in and off you go it's invaluable folks it's one of these things that you think i don't need that until you need it if you ever get involved in an incident the first thing your insurance company is going to say is is there any cctv with The Inov system, there's already a couple of instances, bona fide cases, people who follow Teapot One who have contacted me, and it's basically, it's turned what would have been either a 50-50 or not in their favour at court cases. The second they've produced the CCTV off of the Inov, it's flipped around and it's been 100% in the riders' favour because it's all there. An invaluable thing, folks. If you head to Inov, which is I-N-N-O-V-V dot co dot U-K, uh, if you use the code Teapot, T-E-A-P-O-T, you'll get 5% off of any of the Inov or Tecologic cameras that are there on that website. Well worth checking out, folks. Well worth getting and putting onto your bike. We are also sponsored by Ultimate Add-On. Ultimate Add-Ons, they produce uh, action camera mounts and mobile phone cases and mounts to put on your bike. They have cases for your phones that cover almost every single phone out there. Uh, You buy the case to suit your phone and then you buy whatever mount it is that you like. I swear by the Helix Strap mount. That's the one I've been using for... Blimey, almost five years now. Uh, you watch it. If you watch any of my review vids, you'll be able to see the ultimate add-ons case there. I usually have my phone uh, on the handlebar somewhere in the cockpit of the bike, and I use the Kalimoto app, obviously, to to navigate by. Brilliant system. They're dustproof. They're shockproof. They're waterproof. Awesome. I have had no issues with vibration affecting my camera on my phone when I use that Helix strap mount. It is. Brilliant. Again, if you head to ultimate add-ons, so it's just ultimate, the word ultimate with A-D-D-O-N-S dot com, and then if you use the code teapot1 with the number 10, so T-E-A-P-O-T-O-N-E with the number 10, you'll get 10% off any of their products. Right, let's get back to the chat with Ari. I, I don't know if you know, I, I did a, a trip around the world, well, 10 years ago this year, actually, and I remember crossing Russia, there was a story that everyone, like the Russians, took great delight in telling you. There was a story about I think he was a Japanese biker who had been camping, and I was I was camping. I had my tent strapped in, on the front of my Jigsaw, and uh, this Japanese guy had disappeared, and they found like what was left of his camp, his tent, and everything all being ripped to bits, and there was bits of him there, but they found his camera. And allegedly, when they looked at the camera, the last picture taken on this camera, Have you imagine lying in your tent, looking at the, the door, this this bear comes through and is just like ready to eat him. You know, I, I don't even know that. It's probably not true. But it it shit me up when I was camping wild, like out in the states in yeah. Russia and stuff.
1: <laughs> Big time. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, that's
0: uh, got to be worried about that. Yeah, but it's weird though. After a while, you just don't worry about it. You just, oh well. You know, if it happens, it happens. What can you do about it? You just gotta. we all have as motorcycles anyway. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Adam's got a second question. What are they, what are you going to do next? Surely after Alaska and the dumb and dumber road trips, it's going to be hard to better them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that we've got any other small motorcycle road trips that are going to top either of those. Uh, We always have a couple on the back burner that we're considering. We've already filmed the next episode of CTXP that'll go live um, June 26th, I believe, where we participated in a police rodeo, which you might not be familiar with in the UK. But here in the States, um, the police, a lot of them ride Harley-Davidson's or the big RT's. Mm -hmm. And they train and practice extensively with dramatic low-speed maneuvers, like full-lock left, full-lock right with, like, silver Jim dragging and stuff. Yeah, yeah Gymkhana. And they do, it, they do it for time, and they do it for clean runs so you don't hit cones. Um, and we went to Texas for, like, one of the biggest competitions in the country, which is actually only open to the police, but we managed to convince them to allow us in. And we got police issued bikes and we competed and uh, it was a freaking wild experience. I will never do a U-turn the same way again. I (laughs) learned so much about handling a motorcycle. Like Zach and I came into it as, you know, experienced road racers and we had to just abandon so much of the skills we had already been utilizing in the muscle memory and retrain ourselves. And we got to train with like the reigning champion, this guy, Donnie Williams. So that was a super cool experience. And I think people will be, impressed and surprised to see how talented these these motor officers are um and then the next episode after that which we have not filmed yet is actually going to be in uh, southeast canada um doing some vintage racing on a pretty unique machine that has uh some some history with with zach's family so awesome. we've got awesome. we've done a pretty good job of, of plotting out our next episodes
0: yeah yeah um have you ever seen the japanese cops do that motor gymkhana
1: yeah, absolutely. I've watched some oh. of the videos. And there's also a there's a racing in Japan called autocross, which is similar to speedway racing, but it's on pavement, but the bikes are all katowampas with like the handlebars are asymmetrical and the bikes are <laughs> asymmetrical and they just mob around these paved ovals. I would love to do that. Oh, wow. No, I've never seen that. I've never seen it's that. It's super bizarre. It's such a bizarre form of racing
0: my my background is actually i i was a, i was a police officer here in in london for, oh, for yeah. nearly 20, 20 years up until about 2 years ago i resigned about 2 years ago and uh, i would just done my motorcycle course because i i worked in the diplomatic side of stuff and uh, the the japanese years ago 20 25 years ago the japanese police sent over um like a A a little group to learn off of the Met Police, off of our driving school, and off of our bikes, and and uh, every year basically they used to come back as like a a return trip. But obviously they've become way better than we are. (laughs) So so now like they've got the bar set up here, and like the Met boys just sit and watch. It's it's phenomenal what they do. Incredible.
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: Right. Sorry. Uh, next question, Adam. Next one. Joe Gasparini. Great guest, Bruce. My question. First, you've both done big trips on a bike. Some people went around. I always get this because I always mention the round the world trip. Some people went around the world.
1: Ari, have you got any trips or adventures planned? Good question. I don't have any big ones planned. CTXP filming with Zach and Spencer usually uh, scratches that itch for me because those are pretty exotic and fairly regular. We do four for a year anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any big road trips right before I started working for RevZilla. I took a couple days to do another California trip on my versus, but uh, I'm due to take my wife to the Mediterranean. I did promise her that, um, when we got married, which is over a decade ago. And I haven't, <laughs> made good. we had, we had plans and then COVID, I mean, we literally had flights and stuff booked and then COVID hit. So that went out the window. So that'll probably be my next trip, um, around the Mediterranean or those parts of the, of the globe, um, with the wife, hopefully on like a multistrata or something. Beautiful. What about you going? Uh, that's a great question. Well, we're primarily going to Italy. Uh, the southern coast of Italy. Was the, oh, was the Malfi there. Coast
0: and stuff. Oh, of Yeah, course. exactly. Yeah. Stunning, stunning. Beautiful roads around there. Don't go to Rome on the bike, whatever you do. It's a, a frigging nightmare. Trying, yeah. to, trying to ride in Rome is just a nightmare. Uh, Joe's got a second question. I don't mean to be rude, but Ari, are you a real biker? Almost no. all the bikers I know are
1: big and bald. How come you're not? <laughs> well, I would never classify myself as a biker because in in the U S anyway, if you're a biker, you're riding a Harley and right. you're going to, you're going to the bar and basically revving your engine a bunch. And like, it's not really a category that I consider the people I identify with are like the gray beards and arrow stitches on 10 year old BMWs and adventure right. bikes. Like, yeah, honestly, yeah. those, those are, those are my, my motorcycle soulmates. Like I've got yeah. an old soul and that's the pace I want to participate at and I want to be at Gat, and I want to go on adventures that are remote so in my mind biker has kind of a negative connotation because that's the guy that rolls in a huge crew and wears a leather vest and just goes to the bar so yeah I don't think I, I don't classify <laughs> there's
0: something that gets asked over here all the time are you a real biker and I, I like I don't know if we have I don't think we have that we don't have as um, defined a scene as you guys do over there like you know, like f- for us, the, the the sort of older bikers that wear the denim patches and ride the Harleys, most of them are like accountants. You know, yeah. and, you know, Same they're here. just yeah, they're yeah. just middle-aged men that are, are living out their dream. That's it. But yeah. there's not really a big, I suppose there is a biker gang culture, but it's very separate. It's it it's not something really that you'd you'd see every day. Certainly not down here in the the southeast of England. I, I I'm not aware of it anyway. Yeah. Um, so next one, Missenden Flyer. How are you doing, Andy? So I don't pre-read these questions, Ari, so there's much a surprise oh, really. to me. There oh, skinny jeans on a grown man. Yes or no? <clears throat> this is because Andy, Missenden Flyer, wears skinny jeans, and I'm always ripping the piss out of them for it. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I'm wearing Levi's 511, which I suppose some people might consider skinny jeans, but they're just kind of my go-to. Right. Uh I, I, I prefer a little bit more freedom of movement so that I can climb a tree or jump over a fence or do something like that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I don't think that, uh, I don't think, and I don't want to knock anybody, but wearing clothes for the sake of fashion that limit you in any way, I think is ridiculous. Like if you're going to wear skinny jeans where you can't lift your legs or whatever, or like get into a sprint, and like, that's dumb. You shouldn't, you shouldn't wear those clothes.
0: I'm into that, brother. I'm into that. Andy, Andy just, he likes to wear skinny jeans because he's lost a bit of weight recently and he's about 85 years old. So he likes Good to wear skinny. What's Good that? for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, he likes to rub it. He l- likes to rub my nose in it because, well, I can't fit in normal jeans, let alone skinny jeans. I have to get the really baggy one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Next one, Paul Jacks. The GSX-R versus Panigale racetrack shootout. What was your takeaway about the improvement of motorcycles over the last 15 to 20 years? That was a cracking vid. That opened my eyes.
1: Dude, that was, we took so long to try and figure out the conclusion to that. And we racked our brains so hard to try and just be, just cross every T and dot every I to try and figure out what it was. I mean, we even talked to like Kyle Weinman, who at the time was racing that version of Pentagon in Moto America Superbike and talked to him about a suspension setup and talked to the Bullins mm. Techs. And um, that particular bike, and frankly a lot of the superbikes, they are building them to such a high level of performance, which people want and is necessary for production racing, but at the same time trying to sell them to a street rider. Mm. So they're they're balancing these two criteria that are at odds with each other and with that pentagale, you just ended up with a spring rate that they wanted to be comfortable on the street so that you don't you know if you rode an old 1098 or 1198 or any of the whatever pre-2008 ducatis they were taught and they beat the shit out of you on the street and yeah. then you ride that v4 and it's like pretty comfortable and smooth mm-hmm. and then you try and channel 200 horsepower through a spring rate that's comfortable on the street and it's yeah, just it's freaking- too soft. Flows through the travel. So like that's basically what we discovered with that bike. And the same thing with geometry. Like the geometry that you would want for a bike to go around a racetrack is not necessarily the same thing you want for a bike that's going to be a good street bike. So I think I think Ducati, obviously that bike has tremendous potential, but when you take a showroom motorcycle that they're selling to pedestrians, people who don't have a pro road racing license, Mm -hmm. they have to tune it to work for that. And then when you try and take it to the racetrack, it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And with Dave the Jixer, he's a K five Gixxer. So like his, and we, we, we set up the geometry based on what people have been doing now for decades. Uh, and he doesn't make that much horsepower and he's a piece of shit. So I rode him like, I wasn't worried about crashing him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there was a little bit of that. And I know that was a, a um, an explanation that some people gave is they're like, Oh, well, you, you know, you rode the Ducati because it's someone else's bike. You have to be careful. Zach and I are professionals Mm-hmm. We can ride a bike on the limit and not throw it away. Not to say that we haven't. We have both destroyed brand new press bikes and it's absolutely terrible and it's and you try and avoid it. But I think the reason we have the jobs we have is because we are able to ride at that level fairly yeah. consistently without chucking a bike. Um but yeah, when I, I rode Dave, I know there was one corner in particular where I was like, I'm just gonna go in really deep on the brakes because if I low side this guy and I can't save it on my knee, like, whatever we bought him for a couple grand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was um, interesting though, yeah, because no, you
0: he- you, you, you swapped riders, didn't you? You and Zach both. Yeah. Wrote, we, we swapped wrote, riders, both we swapped
1: tires. We did all yeah. sorts of stuff. Yeah. And it yeah, was yeah, absolutely, yeah. without a shadow of a doubt, the Gixxer just went faster around that particular racetrack. Like if we had taken it to a track that had a three quarter mile straightaway or somewhere where the Ducati could really stretch its legs, like maybe it would have been different. Um, but I mean, even even watching from the side of the track, you could just see how much more confidently Dave was going through corners than that mm. pentagalli was. All right.
0: Yeah, I, I, it's funny. I just had, I just had a debate with somebody. They asked me um, what I thought of the K5 Jigsaw. Like, did I did I think it was still the best bike, the best Jigsaw out there? And I was like, Nah, not really. I, I owned a K5 back in about two thousand and nine. I think it was. I had one for about three or four months, and then I I had. I had the K nine Jixxer though. That's right. It would have been two ten. I, I bought. I got it. I the I had the K nine Jixxer though. Then I had the K five for a couple of months, and then I had a an L O, and then an L one. An L one is the one I took on the the big trip, and uh, and then I had a, an L four. I think it was when I came back. I got one.
1: Jixxers, man.
0: Yeah, well I I was just a jigsaw fanboy, total jigsaw fanboy. Like my my L one that I took on the trip's got hundred and three thousand miles on it. And it's you know, it would still go now. It's, it's just up. yeah. Oh man, so it's what, an amazing what you take
1: machine.
0: In the K5? I thought I mean don't get me wrong, I'm nowhere near your level. I'm not a racer. I am I am your street rider. That's that's my pedigree. That's that's it. Um I play on the track, but I don't. I cannot ride anywhere near your sort of level. And I found with the K five, it was raw. You know, compared to all the Euro compliance pish that's all come in now, it was it was a raw, powerful machine. But I kind of felt for the road, the the later Jixers, You know, they were just as capable to me, but they just felt. They had all the bells and whistles. They had all the toys on them. So, you know, right. for, for for a lazy rider like me and someone that doesn't really know what they're doing, you can feel like you're 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 not stretching the bike by any shape or form, but you feel yeah. like you're going quick. And chances are, it's not going to spit you off. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: So well, I mean, for, that, for me, that, so I'll go on. That speaks to what we were talking about at the Panigale. Where, like in, yeah. in later years, the the performance has increased, but so have the bells and whistles that kind of make it a safer. Uh, street bikes so yeah it all yeah. depends on on what your intentions are what your criteria are and what you're going to do with the bike
0: definitely i really wish i'd never sold my k5 i really wish i kept that bike
1: <laughs> everyone i think everyone says that we still have dave he's, he's yeah. not going
0: anywhere Beautiful. Nice one, Paul. Good question. Next one. uh, Philip Thomas. The Dumb and Dumber mini bike road trip was one of my highlights of 2021. So did you just go,
1: aka piss on his back? (laughs) No, No, the beauty beauty of having a one-gallon tank that needs to be filled every whatever 55 or 60 miles is that you get plenty of time to stop. Um, So thankfully, I did not have to pee on Zach's back. I think that might be the only... (laughs) inaccuracy of that of that recreation that we didn't that we didn't genuinely do um, we we were so true to everything else like i didn't wear gloves the whole time literally did not wear gloves i can't believe that the outfits like we we combed amazon and kmart and all these <laughs> other companies to find clothes that look the same and when we built that bike i mean we found the company that made the frame for the original one we researched that and i mean it was all we went full ocd absolute O C D. and a fun fact that people probably aren't aware of because we haven't really talked about it much um we pitched that idea at motorcyclist and we pitched that idea at motor trend and they both uh did not approve it for various reasons one of them being legal reasons um concern over copyright infringement really <laughs> but much much credit to our our superiors at revzilla they also recognized that there might be a risk but they said it's too good an idea you got to do yeah, it yeah and uh, a month or so after the video went live, we got a very cryptic email to customer service at RevZilla from the assistant to, I believe it was Pete Farley of the Farley brothers. And it was just like, Mr. Farley has seen your video and he wishes to speak to you. And we're like, fuck, we're getting sued. Like we're gonna have to pull this down off of, off of the internet. Yeah. Uh, it took a long time to arrange a meeting to actually meet with them, but it was both he and his brother when we got on the screen. And then it was Jeff Daniels and Jim Carrey. No way. Seriously. We were, a Zoom, we were in a Zoom meeting with all of them, with Zach Spencer and myself. And like, those guys were over the moon. They're like, Y'all are nuts. I can't believe you did that. You did such a good job. Like, what are you? Are you actors? Are you engineers? Like, who are you? And we're like, No, man, we're just, we watched your video and we were kids and it was fucking awesome. So that was super cool. We actually got accolades from the people who made the movie. And it turns out they only ever spent like thirty minutes on that little piece of shit motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We spent four days on it. <laughs> for, for anyone, for anyone
0: who doesn't know what we're talking about, if you watch the film Dumb and Dumber, and there's this scene where they go from
1: where is it? They go from they go. Oh, I should know this because I did it. They go yeah. from the plains in Nebraska. I also That's am it. pretty pretty convinced that I got like mild brain damage from sucking exhaust (laughs) off of that bike for the whole time. So there's parts of that trip that I don't remember. Yeah. They, they rode it from the plains of Nebraska all the way up to Aspen, Colorado. Technically they went to Breckenridge. That's where they filmed it. But, but Aspen's where they go in the movie.
0: So that that's like a 30-second a montage in the film. And uh, Ari and Zach did the actual trip and and recreated it to a T. Well worth watching. In fact, if you're listening <laughs> to the podcast or if you check out the show notes, and if you're watching the vid, have a look at the description. I'll put a link to the video. It's stunning. Uh, yeah, Phil also good. asks, on a serious note, was it
1: as fun as it looked or one of the worst <laughs> things you've done? <laughs> it was one of the worst things I've done. Like I said, I just sat in the back. So like, I was actually pretty comfortable and pretty warm. Cause Zach was blocking all the wind, yeah. but I was just sucking all of this uncatalyzed poor running, just, you know, <laughs> piece of crap engine exhaust. It was for whatever reason, it was like swirling up my back and coming right across my face. And I had, I was just crushing Advil. I had just this pounding headache <laughs> the whole time. It was, it was pretty unfortunate. I think there's a scene where like the brakes don't work or something at the bottom of the Hill and the camera pans to me. And I'm just like, I look, like I've gone brain dead. And I remember my mom watching the video and being like, you didn't look good. You looked kind of stupid. And I'm like, yeah, I felt I was not operating with a full brain at that point. You're just getting so into character. Wasn't. That's all. Yeah, exactly. I would never, <laughs> people are like, Oh, do you still ride around? And I'm like, hell no, I don't want it. Like, I don't want any part of that motorcycle anymore. We have it at the office, but like, I don't want to ride it again. That should be like the penalty bike for anyone that screws up on another shoot. They are. You've yep. got that for a week. Yeah. Yeah. It's loud and it's smelly and it's not very fast and not very comfortable. Right, another
0: shout out for you. We are also sponsored by the Influencer Store. I'll read this one for you. The Influencer Store helps you build your brand, big or small, providing you with a solution and apparel. We help you to increase your fan base while supporting you with starting your own influencer clothing line with nothing more than just an idea or design, and there are no hidden costs. For more info, come check us out at theinfluencerstore.co.uk or drop us an email at online. InfluencerStore.co.uk for more information. Influencer Store, they handle both of my Chicken Strips and my Teapot One websites. They handle all the merch for Teapot One. Uh, great, solid British company, husband and wife team, Charlotte and Roger, they run it. They even have the, the whole family's involved with the logistics of the whole operation. So if you want to help support me, the channel, and Roger and Charlotte in the family, head to teapotone.com, head to the shop, And get yourself some snazzy merch. We are also sponsored by you. Each and every one of you folks. All you folks out there who listen to the podcasts, who watch the vids, who share any of the content, who follow any of the socials. You people who've joined the actual clan, you've gone the extra step, you've headed over to patreon.com forward slash teapot1. See what I did there. And you join the clan. Basically, you've made this possible for me. You know, I couldn't do this full time without all of your support and I will forever be indebted to you. So a massive thanks to each and every one of you out there who help to support the channel in whatever way you do. Speaking of supporting the podcasts, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can now review and rate the podcast. So if you wouldn't mind leaving either a five-star review or just leave a couple of lines to say what you think of the podcast, it is a huge help in bumping the podcast back up through the rankings. We were top five all time at one stage, but because I took a couple of little breaks there, it's dropped down. Let's get it right back up there. I think it's around about 15 at the moment. We need to bump it up. All right, folks, thank you very much for your support. Let's get back to the chat with Ari. Uh, Right, next one, Ryan Mills. Favorite engine configuration
1: and why? Oh, yeah, that's easy. V4, very, very easy. I love the V4, especially Aprilia's V4, Um, just the, the cylinder bank angle and the character of it. And the dynamicism of having like strong low end torque, but also having a mm. good top end and the sound and the vibration, like easily just my favorite configuration of all time. The Aprilia is just
0: stunning. It? The, I've, I've, re- I've only ridden the Tuono. I've not ridden the um, RSV. Well, pretty yeah. much the same, aren't they? But oh man, just the, the noise yeah. off of that engine God,
1: yeah, it just grabs pretty- you by the nuts. Yeah, it really does. They're tuned pretty different, the, the Tuono versus the RC 4 They have totally different engine characters. But, yeah, I'm a big fan of the Tuono. Um, previous generations, probably. I would probably go with the 2015. that still had the analog tack. And mm. before they went, I think Euro 5 with the exhaust, it was just yeah. such a beast. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. it could be – I road tripped on one. I did like a five or 600-mile day on one, and I just love it. It'll It'll trot along at 90 miles per hour, getting the yeah. best gas mileage possible.
0: Yeah, I had I had the 2015 one. I bought I bought nice. one of them for a bit when I yeah. um when I came back from my trip, a, a break from the Jixers <laughs> and I rode it down to Spain and did like a, a tour all around Spain. So it was like a 900 mile journey to get it down. In fact, it's maybe over a thousand miles to get to to Spain, and then like a, a five day road trip through the mountains. It was awesome. amazing. I loved yeah, it, great. but then it killed the bike. When I got home, the engine was just fucked it just really? uh, yeah the valve the valves wall went out and uh, it kept dying on me all the time four and a half thousand miles it had and it, it was never the same again I, I had to yeah i mean i, that's I the traded it in app. and got a Jigsaw
1: yeah that's the drawback is there's not a lot of support and they're not as reliable as the japanese brand unfortunately no, sadly
0: but they look they look amazing sound amazing Mm -hmm. amazing. right the gorilla biker how you doing michael absolutely love watching all the stuff you've done on youtube and also the instagram stories you've been a huge learning resource to me over the years so huge thanks for that my question for all of us self-taught DIY home mechanics out there, what other ways are there to learn more than YouTube? And is the day of DIY coming to an end with new bikes becoming more and more complicated? Now I couldn't mm. believe this.
1: You're a self-taught mechanic, is that right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Just read manuals and break stuff and figure out how to do it. <laughs> God. Wow. I, I, I assumed
0: that that you know that was like your job at some point before you migrated into doing bikes full time. You seem to I know mean, everything I was a, about. I was, everything.
1: A, I was a small engine mechanic. Like I said, I did lawnmowers and chainsaws, and motorcycles are pretty much the same thing. They've just got like a few other components and different arrangement. But yeah, I just, I've got a mechanical mind. I really enjoy it. Um, I, I rely on manuals extensively. You got a critter? Yeah, uh, it's my dog. Yeah, my dog keeps sticking her head in. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, I made sure again. I closed my door because my dog would do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, manuals, shop manuals, um, Haynes manuals, climber manuals, factory workshop manuals—it's all there. Every, right. every step of the way, every you know, every torque spec, every specification, every clearance—it's all listed out for you. So there's, there's. There's no excuse basically, unless, unless as the, um, viewer or the, the audience member alluded to bikes get so complicated mm you can't work on them yourself. And, uh, yeah, I do genuinely think the days of DIY are coming to an end because other than like replacing your own drivetrain and tires and maybe brake pads and oil changes and air filter, like you're not, you're not going to be troubleshooting these bikes that are fully electronically operated and you need to be able to plug it in and have all sorts of specialty equipment. And that's, that makes me sad because, uh, you know, I, I appreciate, I don't want to be a Luddite. Like I appreciate the technology and the way things yeah. are going, but I, I, uh, I want to be able to work on it. So I have a lot of old bikes. I drive a 2002 Tacoma that I'll be able to fix indefinitely. And then Mm -hmm. when my wife needed a new car, I I told her, I was like, we either need to buy something old enough that I can work on it or new enough that it has a warranty and I don't have to work on it. And I think it's it's the same thing with motorcycles now.
0: Stay with us. We'll be right back.
1: Hi, I'm Wes. And I'm Beth. And we're the host of the Where Our Minds Wander podcast.
0: We love spooky places,
1: morbid tales,
0: and unsolved mysteries. Throw in some weird science, cryptids,
1: and ancient legends,
0: and you have entered Where Our Minds Wander.
1: Join us each week as we delve into fascinating true stories from the supernatural to the
0: naturally weird. Get your favorite beverage, settle into your comfy chair, and journey with us to Where Our Minds Wander.
1: Listen and subscribe to Where Our Minds Wander on all your favorite podcast listening platforms. What are you thinking about that takes me on to electric then. What do you think about electric? The onset I think of electric. It's a it's a great option. I think that's definitely the way the market is going. I think it'll mm. it's a niche that's gonna grow. Um, I think the modern consumer uh, will benefit and appreciate the simplicity of owning an electric motorcycle because mm. there's just a lot fewer components and a lot fewer systems. Um, and uh, yeah, I think there's probably a demographic now that's electronically savvy enough that they will figure out how to work on them. Yeah. Um, but yeah that's uh, I, I think there's some exciting bikes out there it's not my cup of tea I still like the smell of gasoline and the sound of exhausts yeah. but uh, I, I'm excited about the prospects for sure yeah I, w- I was I was really sort of anti-electric and then
0: about four or five years ago I started riding them doing like uh, reviews and stuff on them and I found myself now thinking okay I, I, I prefer petrol for sure. I actually quite enjoy riding electric bikes and I'm not that worried about, you know, them becoming mainstream for sure. Yeah, I don't if think they're, gonna eclipse, they're not going to eclipse
1: ice bikes anytime no, soon.
0: No, no, definitely not. We just don't have the infrastructure at all. We, we couldn't cope with everybody going electric here, mm. but they are, they are fun for sure. Uh, I'm hopefully doing a, I'm going to be doing an around the UK uh, ride. I'm trying to do one of them on electric just to see, you know, how practical is it going to be? But sure. we'll see. We'll see what happens. Sure. Um, Jason Smiley, evening, fellas. As someone who would rather find a lump than oh, so god, that's horrible. As someone who would rather find a lump than strip a bike, I would like to know your top oh. five tools to make it all a little less hateful. Oh my goodness, <laughs> yeah, it could have been worded better, Jason. But uh, <laughs> you, yeah, you get it. I mean, it gives us some context for how. <laughs> how
1: much he hates doing the tools. Yeah. Yeah. Top five tools. Uh, ratcheting box end wrenches are brilliant. Um, they're just super convenient. So those are the ones that like the closed end actually ratchets and reverse them. So reversible ratchets. Yep. Uh, if you're working on a Japanese bike, especially if it's older JIS, screwdrivers, Japanese industrial standard, everyone makes the mistake of using a standard Phillips, but it has a totally different profile and you're just going to strip the shit out of all those, um, bolts. I didn't know. that. Yeah. It's a totally different profile. Um, and there's a company called vessel. It's a Japanese company. That's the, um, they make the screwdrivers and they actually sell one that's an impact screwdriver. So that's brilliant. Absolutely. So it's, it's an integrated JS impact screwdriver and they're like 20 bucks on Amazon. I love one. Um, so that's two tools. Um, so we're talking about stripping a bike now putting a bike back together. Here's one, uh, um, cupcake trays, or baking trays or Ziploc bags for organization. Yeah. <laughs> that is a huge mistake people make is they just start taking shit apart and they're all excited and this is easy. All I have to do is unbolt stuff. And then they've they, you know, they just got a mess of fasteners. Yeah. Um, and as, as good a memory as you think you have, as guaranteed as you think it is that you'll remember, you're not gonna remember where all that shit goes. No. So just use Ziploc bags or I use these little paper lunch trays that I can buy like a thousand of them for whatever 50 bucks. And also I'll write in each compartment, I'll be like, this is from the tank. This is from the side covers. This is from whatever the foot pegs. And that way all All that stuff is right there and you can just keep it organized. And that way, if you're going to come back to it in a week or six months, because something happened, you're not going to be screwed. Um, So I think that helps. The other thing that's adjacent to that is use your cell phone to take pictures, Mm -hmm. take pictures of stuff. Like, you know, you're about to remove the regulated rectifier, or you're going to remove a carburetor and these hoses and wires and shit going everywhere, take a picture so you can put it back correctly.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm not going to remember. <laughs> no, I, I've made mistakes with it with taking fairings. Just simple things, taking fairings off. You know, some different fasteners on. Like when yeah, a, it's got a fairing. shoulder
1: for one, and it doesn't yeah, for yeah, the yeah. other.
0: And, yeah. and I'll put them back, but will take the fairing off and I'll put the fasteners back in the fairing just so I know. I put it down, and then like yeah. 20 minutes later, I'll be walking along and I'll kick the fairing, and everything falls out. You're like, shit, <laughs> what went uh, yeah. where? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that's uh, uh, that's good. So I think that's only four. Um, I guess the oh, other yeah. is just generally speaking, use the right tool for the job. Don't don't try and improvise. Like if you're working on a bike, just go to the hardware store and buy the extension or the swivel head you need. Or yeah. like don't use vice grips green catalogs. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs>
0: uh, next one, Johnny Hackinson. Hi, Ari and Bruce. Greetings from Sweden. I have a couple of questions for you. First to Ari. Since Bruce has been around the world, I have to ask if you've traveled any further, sorry, I have to ask if you've traveled on any other continent other than North America.
1: Yeah, I think. All, all of them, except Antarctica. Have you? What, you've Is ridden on them? I think so. Oh, been awesome. To Australia, ridden around Australia, been to Southeast Asia, ridden around there. I've been to Africa. I've ridden in South Africa and I've ridden in Morocco, so South and North, all over Europe, awesome. all over the U.S., Oh, well, I haven't been to South America. No, that's not true. I've been to Peru. I rode a KTM 1290 Super Adventure all over Peru. I have a shitty memory, oh, Bruce. Mate. So yeah, I haven't been south of Tierra del Fuego. Spencer wants us to ride motorcycles all the way across the freaking snow caps and he's out of his mind. Um, so yeah, all, all, all the is that all the continents? I haven't been in, like, I know Scandinavia. Is not a continent. What's that? Uh, apart from Antarctica, yeah. Sounds like you've done them all. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't ridden in uh, Scandinavia. Obviously, that's not a continent, but a part of Europe that I haven't been to, mm-hmm. um, and I haven't ridden like Russia or Mongolia or any of that stuff. But yeah, I've been. I've been very fortunate. I love traveling and riding motorcycles. Oh, awesome.
0: I love. Yeah, it's just it's just the best thing, isn't it? And going by bike is so good because you like you 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 live breathe. You you smell the places that are around about you. You really experience the whole place. Yeah. You're not you're not like in a bus and a tourist yep. bus going from hotel to hotel. I love doing
1: it that way. And people are so much more liable to approach you and have conversations yeah. when you're when you're on a motorcycle. Like they recognize that you're kind of vulnerable and exposed, and they're willing to expose themselves as opposed to if you're in a car, it's just not the same. Yeah, definitely,
0: definitely. Uh, Second question from Johnny. If you have 60 seconds to run in a motorcycle shop and pick anything except a motorcycle to take with you for free, what would it be?
1: <laughs> um, probably a stack of rye helmets that I could turn around and sell to do something more useful <laughs> with the money here. <laughs> I mean, that's that's where my mind goes. Like everyone's always like, if you could only have one bike, what would it be? I'm like, yeah, I would get a a, a Ducati Super and then I would sell it and I would so, buy a bunch of other motorcycles. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's my, that's you're a very asking. practically minded I am, I know. person. Sometimes sometimes it's uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm a proper magpie. I'm like, ooh, shiny, I love that. will do yeah. <laughs> uh last one, Harley. How's it guys? Ari, I'm a big fan. You come a very close second to Bruce. Cheers. Thanks very much, Harley. For the two of you, what personality trait do you wish you had? Ooh. Oh, that's great. You go first, Bruce. I wish I was more creative. I I find I like with the with the content creation, I, I think I'm too. I'm I'm very sequentially minded and very practically minded. I find it I find it quite hard when I'm editing a video. Like if I go on a trip and I film it, it almost feels wrong if I take anything out of sequence. and it might oh, make yeah. a better story. I'm I'm starting to do that now, just to to make the better. What's that?
1: Kill your darlings.
0: That's a yeah, that's yeah, a classic that's
1: a writing adage. It's so hard to do though. It
0: is. I really struggle with that. And I see other people's content that they create. And I'm just like, oh, I wish I'd thought of doing it that way, like get that shot or this. So I wish I was more creative
1: for sure. Yeah, that's fair. I think we can all probably do with a little more creativity. Um, I would very much, I've said this multiple times in other aspects of my life, if I had a better memory. I think I, I would just benefit. That would be the single thing that would improve my quality of life so much. I really struggle with a lot of memory stuff. I've taught myself and learned so much and forgotten so much of it. And I'm, I'm a social guy. I like meeting people, but I'm terrible with names and faces. Like genuinely everyone says that, but like it's, I've embarrassed myself just so extensively. Um, So yeah, if I could just have a little more, a little more recall, I think that would really benefit me in a big way.
0: What, what, what do you think? Have you always had a, a bad memory your entire life or is that like too many bangs to the head or something?
1: No, thankfully, I don't think it's too many bangs for the head. I definitely like it's it's uh, it's strongly correlated with how busy and stressed out I am. Mm. So like when I go on vacation, say so I go home to visit my family and I'm just doing a lot less. I have a lot better recall and acuity than I do on a daily basis when I'm here, when I'm juggling just a bunch of stuff and getting text messages and phone calls and Slack messages and emails and meetings and all that. Like I think it's just, to some degree, scatterbrained. But it's also, uh, my dad similarly has has uh, that sort of, I don't wanna call it a handicap, but limitation. Um, and that's pre, pre-brain injury that he wasn't very good with that stuff. So I think to some degree is probably hereditary. <laughs>
0: Um, right mate well that's us coming up for the hour there's still questions on Instagram and Facebook but I uh, appreciate you giving me the, the hour if you if you find yourself with any spare time and you want to answer any questions feel free to head to my and Facebook and there's there's questions there around your post um before we go I'll chuck the floor open to you is there any shout outs you want to give just feel free it's up to you any plugs you want to just like say hi to
1: my mom or what? <laughs> yeah. If you want to. Sure. Hi mom. She's never <laughs> going to listen. to this. She doesn't, she I'll send her a link when it comes out. So maybe she'll hear that. Hi mom. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I guess just encourage people to, to check out the other content we're doing with Revzilla, um, just accolades to them for having brought the three, three of us, Zach Spencer, myself on together as a team and supporting us, um, in, in the content we're doing. Cause I know people appreciate it. And I feel just so fortunate to be doing it as a job uh, and and we do it exclusively to just get people excited about motorcycles and, and kind of inspire and inform them. So it's a, uh, it's it's a good cause. So props to Revzilla for doing it. And um, yeah, hopefully folks can enjoy some of the videos we've been making.
0: Yeah. Well, from, from everybody, thanks very much for, for, for creating that it, mix. It's some of the best content out there. It really is. Folks, I'll leave links all down below show notes, or if you're watching the vid, check out the vid description, there'll be links to, to, uh, all this, the, the channels there and, and Ari's socials. Man, thank you very much for coming aboard. I appreciate you give me an hour of your time. I know you're a busy man. Absolutely, Bruce. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. Folks, yeah. thanks very much. Hope you've enjoyed this one. Keep doing your thing. Remember, get on out there whenever you can. Look after those that you love. But most importantly, live your life. Woo-ha! Dude, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for that.